What do you think about mental health? Me, my fault. Nothing. Nothing? You don't know? What about, have you ever been to a psychiatrist? No. No? Why not? I don't need it. You don't need it. What about you? I'm not crazy yet, I'm telling you. Welcome to the Shrink Box. And welcome to a very special episode of Mental Health Awareness. We're very excited. And to start, we're going to go ahead and send you to New York City, where our correspondent or field agent, Christina Corso, is right there in the streets and in the subways talking to people about what mental health means to them. Listen up. Okay. So I'm Christina Corso with Shrinkbox. Uh, This is a podcast that goes every two weeks and it's about mental health awareness and this is mental health awareness month so i just wanted to ask you some questions is that cool yeah okay so have you ever been to a psychiatrist uh no no why not uh my doctor just never referred me never referred you yeah have you ever felt like maybe you were sad or depressed or that that would help you in some way i just go to my friends when i'm sad and stuff and they help me through it okay cool what about you um I did at some point, however, I didn't feel like I was receiving the proper help, so I kind of had to like dip. And then because of that, I kind of had to like get a support group, which I find to help my mental health. Because like you said early on, friends do help. It's not always just doctors you you could go to. However, it's safer. But for me, I went to my friends for support. Thank you. What about you? Oh, I've been like in and out of hospitals since seventh grade. (laughs) So I, I know all about like psychiatrists and therapists and medication and like I hate all of it. It's like, yeah, it gets kind of annoying. Okay, I hear you. What about you girls? Me? Um, Well, recently, I went to my doctor, and they referred me to a, not psychiatrist, but a psychologist. Yeah. Um, And, like, my parents, like, looked around, and I kind of, like, felt bad for, like, putting that pressure on them. So, like, I would go to my friends, and I would tell them, like, don't worry about looking for one. So, like, I've been, yeah, I haven't gone to one. What about when you guys face like hardship in school or you feel like an outcast or you have like trouble, you felt like emotionally distressed, do you think that that would be like an option that you would try to go to, like seek? At this point in my life, no. At this point, no. Unless it's like super severe where I'm not receiving help from anyone else. So I'm like, okay, I will go to a doctor, a professional. Okay. I I got really fed up with doctors and medication. So recently I actually just ran away from home. And uh, I went all the way to California, and I came back. I hitchhiked and I hopped trains. <laughs> yeah, and then okay. I'm back, and I feel I feel a lot better now. Yeah, but that's the issue with some of these doctors that they're always trying to just give you medicine. Yeah. And they think it's like a quick solution, and I think oftentimes that just kind of like pushes away a lot of the younger people, because then it's like we don't really want that. And so when we hang out with our friends and we're all happy, because our mood changes when we're with our friends, yeah. it makes us like forget what's the issue and it makes us feel better. That's why it's so much better to be with friends than with doctors, because with doctors, like, okay, here, take this for this week and so. But with friends, it's like you're hanging out, and it's more casual, it's more fun. What about a therapist? Because with a therapist, you can just talk, and they're it's not the same thing. Same? Because it's like you're there for one hour. Because when you realize where you are, you're in a room for one hour. They get paid. It's like it's not. That just ruins the whole thing. Because like, it's like I'm not authentically talking to you. Yeah, exactly. It's like therapists, from what I've experienced, they're very impersonal people. They never Mm -hmm. share any of their own experiences or their own life, like, stories with you. They're they're always like, okay, yeah, I understand. Okay, they, like, listen, but they don't don't give you any, like, personal feedback back. As opposed to, like, a person who's actually been through something. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah, like, with friends, I feel like we can relate to each other. Like, 
especially this time we don't know like where we where we are and we're like all over the place mm -hmm. like emotionally and I think like hormones too so it's like just all over the place and what I'm feeling is probably like what my friend is feeling but it's like at different times so we kind of like try helping yeah, each other out exactly. okay thank you guys so much thank you mm -hmm. Wow, that was a very interesting conversation with Christine over there in New York City. And we're here in the studio with uh, my two friends and colleagues, uh, Herman Corso, Dr. Corso, and Dr. Uh, Gutierrez. And this is Dr. I, your host. Uh, guys, what do you guys think about this conversation and in such an important time of the year when we're trying to, to remember the importance of talking about mental health? Very interesting. I, I think there was two uh, episodes. So I think the starting one was, you know, what some people think of mental health. Uh, why would I do that? Uh, I'm not crazy. No, I would never do something like that. I think the second conversation is amongst a group, I think, of possibly teenagers uh, uh, or adolescents that are uh, possibly acquaintances or, or friends. And I think you're having an interesting conversation, reflection on what their experiences have been like uh, with uh, mental health. Um, I think they bring up some very interesting points that I think helps us reflect a little bit about the work that we do in our field. I think one of them is that uh, we uh, need to be uh, more authentic with our patients. I think we need to hear them out, but I think we need to uh, find a way to uh, see what is it that they're needing. Uh, because a lot of the times they will be saying, uh, you know what, I'm feeling sad. Oh, here's a pill. And I think that's something that uh, I, I feel that, you know, as treating docs, we need to uh, listen to our patients a little bit more before we take out our prescription pad. Yeah, I, I think that was very interesting. I, I, what do you think, Herman? I, I, to what stood up, stood up to me, which is maybe something I've heard many times before, is you know when the, one of the guys said, "Oh, you know, I've been to hospitals. I've done this, that, and that, and I hate all of it." You know, uh, obviously leaving a very negative uh, experience on him. Yes, I, I am, I'm, I'm very um, fascinated with both clips because I think they show the real uh, perception of what we have out there. It's unfortunate, but uh, uh, people uh, grow up in society without uh, realizing the importance of mental health. And mental health is something that touches all of us um, in one way or another. And I think these uh, both, uh, both clips, uh, to a certain extent, show uh, the perception uh, of people, uh, it sounds like different ages, uh, but um, how they there is some resistance uh, about the possibility of mental health or getting help for mental health. I think um, this is exactly what this month is about. It's about trying to break the stigma and trying to help causing some mental health awareness because it touches everyone's door. I think it's uh, also important to know that uh, people have problems, like uh, Herman was saying. Uh, so all of us go through some difficult times at times. And I think it's important to know that, yes, the the first place to start is with our friends, with our family, uh, with the people that we trust. And I think talking to them about how we feel. But uh, they might say, you know what, wow, you know, I think 
what you're saying, I don't really have an answer. It seems a little bit more complicated. And I think maybe that's where you might want to talk with someone uh, that's a professional, uh, maybe a counselor. Uh, some people have very severe uh, uh, disorders uh, that might need to be evaluated for more intensive treatment, possibly medication, even hospitalization. Uh, we, we tend to uh, uh, think about some treatments as last resort, especially, you know, having to be admitted to a hospital might not be the first thing you think about when you're having stressors, but it might be a very important thing when your life is at danger or there's concerns about safety for yourself or others, right? Another thing that really stood up for, to me in the second clip is, uh, you know, when they are talking about the different experiences they're having, and one of them says, well, you know, why would I go and talk to a therapist? You know, they they are just so, you know, uh, impersonal. You know, they don't they do not seem to, to really feel, they don't share nothing of their own experiences with me. So obviously there's this gap, right, between what people expect that that help should be and what it actually is. Uh, and this is something that we've seen even in pop culture and movies, you know, uh, that talk about, you know, how at times uh, professionals, maybe we have become a bit uh, too impersonal like this. So we're, we're, we're not as warm. And there's so many, uh, uh, you know, things that play into that in our society where, you know, you have to be very careful with the way you deal with a patient, with the way that you talk to your patient. You cannot be too close or things like that, but there is an element of it where a patient comes in to talk to you in their most difficult times, and they find that the person that's there is just cold. Uh, and that, to me, is probably one of the biggest gaps in the stigmatization and the issues of mental health, because now you have to go and open your your heart, uh, for lack of a better term, to, to this person that you don't know. Uh, and but and they're just sitting in there being so professional that it just it becomes a, a a scenario where the person says, you know what, it's better for me to go and talk to my friends, even when they may not give me the best advice. But at least they can shake hands with me. They can give me a hug if I need it. And so I think that's just an aspect of the mental health and this area that I, to me really uh, resonates. Yes, I I think that you know there's a. Uh, um it's sometimes a little bit more complicated. I think when people come to see you, uh, I don't think it's the time or the role of the therapist or of the psychiatrist to say, hey, uh, let me tell you about my problems. Let me share what's going on with me. Uh, I think this is the patient's time. So we sit down and say, tell me about what's going on with you. Uh, I'm really interested. But I think a lot of it has to do with being genuine, uh, that you are really listening and listening empathically uh, to the person and their problems. And I think people can read that if you are sincere and you are um, there to try to understand really where they're coming from. I, I, I agree with you guys. I, I just want to add that um, my perspective on, on, on what we're talking um, differs a little bit because I think it's um, there is a step before people get into treatment, and that is the contemplation of whether you need to go into treatment or whether there is something going on with you. Um, to many of us, and I'm sure many of our listeners, uh, the the words of the guy in the first clip where he says, 
I'm not crazy yet. It's, it's, it's a reflection of how people feel about mental health. And I think it's really hard to get help when you feel that you have to hide, that you have to not show your true self, that you that you feel ashamed because you know you may be seen a psychiatrist, that you have to maybe uh, not freely say that you're going to visit your therapist or your psychiatrist the same way that you will say that you're going to your primary care doctor. So I think this puts uh, a people in a in a position where it's hard for them to get mental health because of judgment. And I think this is where the stigma comes, and this is. Uh, sort of like the recipe uh, that 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 sometimes uh, doesn't allow people to get the proper help they need but but by by our system and the people that are in our system trying to help people with mental illness if we come across as being cold or distant don't that doesn't that add to the stigma of mental health I think I think a lot of things add to this. Uh, again, uh, you have to you know be aware of uh, the population you're treating. Certainly, you know we some of us treat children and adolescent uh, versus you know treating adults. Uh, I think you know with children you you can't take certainly that uh, step of distance. You have to actually engage with the child. You sometimes have to modulate your voice uh, and the content of how you speak to a four-year-old versus a 12-year-old versus a 17-year-old. So you have to think into uh, consideration, their developmental stage, and that's going to adjust a lot about how you interact with with that uh, patient that is coming to see you, right, or that their parents are bringing them. But then you have to talk to the family, too. And I think, you know, uh, as a child analysis psychiatrist, I not only have to engage with the child, but I have to engage the parent because I want them to feel that this is, I'm there to help their child, which is what they want, but I'm also there to listen to them about what their concerns are. And so I, I think that once you're doing that, if people are seeking help, they will feel that they can open up to you because they feel that you are receptive to listening to them. One of the things that I do a lot is when when people uh, tell me, this is my complicated story, I try to uh, give them the feedback by saying, look, this is this is what I'm hearing. And so am I understanding you? Is this what you're saying to me? Very good. Very good. So um, when we come back, we're going to go over a bit more data and information regarding uh, mental health uh, here in the United States. And we hope that uh, when you finish through our podcast that you uh, have a better understanding of it. We'll be right back. Hi, have you ever been to a psychiatrist? No. Why not? Hate him. You hate him? Okay. Is mental health a real problem in the United States? Is this something that we should talk about? Let's think about that. Over 44 million American adults have some sort of mental health condition. One in five adults in America experience a mental illness. The rate of youth experiencing a mental health condition continues to rise. 90% of those who die by suicide have an underlying mental illness. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. 
Nearly 60% of adults with mental illness didn't receive mental health services in the previous years. 60%. Nearly 50% of youth aged 8 to 15 didn't receive mental health services last year. African American and Hispanic Americans used mental health services at about half the rate of whites in the past year, and Asian Americans at about a third of the rate. This is a very serious situation. We can't just take mental health and sweep it under the rug. We can't do what uh, previous generations did. Uh, I remember growing up, uh, you know, seeing people in my family that uh, there was this distant uncle that couldn't come to the family meetings. And why? We always were explained that he was you know, in a house somewhere in the back of a house. Nobody talked to him. Nobody wanted him to talk to us because the reality was that this person was suffering mental illness and it was something so shameful to families that the best approach that they could act upon was to put that person aside, to try not to deal with it, to try not to talk about it. And this is the main problem of mental health at the current state here in, in, in the United States and in the whole world. Um, is there anything you guys want to add to that? Yes, I think you're, you're right. I think it's a, it's a big problem. Uh, we, we talk about children and adolescents uh, suffering from mental illness and suicide risks going up and, and a big uh, uh, epidemic of people having mental health that are not really getting the help they need. We're talking about uh, 117 people dying per day in the United States. We're talking about someone dying out of suicide every 13.3 seconds. So this is very real. And we really need to make every single effort to help people understand that they uh, this is important, that their mental health is as important as their physical health. I don't think... Uh, people should continue with uh, the beliefs that are uh, invaded uh, since you're very little, where uh, mental health is sort of like a disgrace. You know, it's something that brings shame. There is no shame for having ADHD. There is no shame for consulting with a child psychiatrist for your child having problems at school. There is no shame for your child to be in special education. There should not be any shame for saying that you're going to see a psychiatrist or a therapist. We need to fight stigma. We are, Herman, we are 15 minutes into our podcast. Based on the statistics that you just shared with us, about 45 people have already completed suicide in 15 minutes that we've been talking about mental health. We can't speak any faster to try to prevent this epidemic. Daniel, what do you think about that? This is obviously a very serious problem. Um, I think, you know, for all of us that work in this field, uh, and we spend uh, many hours uh, talking with patients, in, in my case, talking to children, uh, adolescents, and their families, uh, this is something that I'm hearing every 15, 20, 30 minutes, uh, people coming in, uh, uh, talking about concerns that their child is uh, considering or has recently tried to hurt themselves, uh, or that maybe uh, cuts themselves on a regular basis uh, and uh, suffers maybe uh, from a history of trauma, which they never talked about. And this leads to them 
uh, acting out or expressing in their own way uh, their pain and suffering. Uh, and they're afraid sometimes to talk about it to their family, to bring it up. And their family sometimes postpone taking them saying, well, maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe he'll just get this as a phase. And this, you know, adolescents should be going through some emotional problems. But I think, you know, it's important to uh, listen to uh, our children and uh, our adolescents when they are having uh, concerns to say, you know, this is maybe something we need to take a closer look. In the month of May, all we hear is people talking about mental health stigma, stigma here, stigma there. Uh, can we define a bit more or a bit better what stigma really is? Well, stigma is when someone or even yourself view a person in a negative way just because they have a mental health condition. Some people describe stigma as uh, feeling ashamed or judged uh, from someone else. Um, stigma really has uh, uh, two two different types. You know, it, it, there is an internal stigma that you put on, among yourself where you uh, it, it blocks you from getting help because you have beliefs that are so strong that you you don't want to get the help that you need because you might feel shame and there is a social or external stigma that that is uh, produced by people judging uh, what you are or, or judging you because you have a mental health problem so both are are equally dangerous because both lead to the same kind of situation which is people not getting the help that they need and looking uh, for other options uh, besides uh, getting the proper help We were interviewing uh, today somebody that's very important in our community as related to, uh, uh, you know, her her um, ability to be able to come out and say very clearly to our community that she has been suffering uh, with depression. Uh, at some point in the interview, Danielle, she says that one of the reasons that she had some difficulties, uh, you know, letting people know that she had been suffering for, from this debilitating disease that depression is, is that there was this perception that, that the depression is also equal to weakness, to being weak. What, what, what do you think about that? Yes, I think this is a very common thing, with, uh, uh, especially with adults. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, people that are professional, And this could include, you know, uh, doctors, lawyers, bankers, uh, people that in some way uh, perceive themselves as successful might see that uh, they coming up and saying, you know what, I've been suffering from depression, I've been suffering uh, from an addiction, or I experienced uh, some trauma, and I'm having a really hard time dealing with it, uh, shows some weakness, shows some vulnerability. And so you don't know, one, if so, you're going to be judged and you're going to be discriminated uh, because uh, you are now uh, a vulnerable person. But I think, like Herman was saying, I think that there's a part of how we also discriminate ourselves and say, uh, you know, I can't be, I can't accept that I'm weak, that I've gone through this and that I'm suffering from uh, illness. So I guess there's, Different types of stick, stigmatizations that can occur or different types of stigma, right, uh, Herman? Yes. So there is, um, as I was uh, talking a little er earlier, there is the uh, social stigma, which um, is characterized by um, judgment, attitudes, and discrimination uh, that is directed towards the individuals with mental health problems uh, as a result of uh, putting a label, a psychiatric label. And there is the perceived stigma or internal 
stigma that um, speaks about internalizing um, this uh, feeling by the person that is suffering from mental health and and they f their perception of feeling um, discriminated uh, and how this affects them, uh, causing them feelings of shame and, and really leading to a poor outcome in their treatment. The person that I was referring to earlier, her name is Nicole Hickel. She's actually the anchor person for our local news channel here in our area. And uh, about a year ago, she came out into her social media and shared with our community that she had been struggling with major depressive disorder. After we come back from this short break, we'll play a segment of this conversation that we had with her. Um, I've been in therapy before, but I think this time around, it was different. And I didn't want to admit that something was wrong. Um, I think as an adult, there's just so many factors that come into play, um, work, marriage, friends, family, children, and you feel this pressure that you have to be okay. You have to be the rock and you don't want anyone else to see you um, falling. So I think that's why it took me so long to just be like, okay, I need help. And like for me to just tap out and be like, I can't do this by myself. Because, you know, you just stay so busy and you, you're like, oh, no, I'm actually okay. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. You just, you just put it second. And um, I just think that that's an issue that our society has is we've gotten better, but we're still putting mental health second. Wow. That was really an eye opener. Uh, I tell you guys, uh, my experience uh, having this conversation with Nicole was just incredible. As a psychiatrist, I just appreciate so much the courage that Nicole had in our community to come out and say, hey, I struggle with mental illness. Guess what? And I'm trying to do something about it. That requires so much courage that I am uh, very thankful that she spent some time with us. What do you think, Daniel? Yes, uh, I, I feel the same way. I I'm very appreciative of uh, her taking the time to sit down with us uh, for this interview. Uh, I, I think, you know, she's a very public person in our community. And I think it takes a lot of courage to come out and say, I have some vulnerabilities. I've gone through some very difficult times. And I hope that my experience will be helpful for anybody out there that might be going through something similar and that they can use this as a way of uh, coming out, uh, coming out, taking the mask off. How about you, Herman? I was blown away uh, with the interview that uh, we had today with uh, Nicole. I think she's an amazing human being. She's doing a wonderful job in sharing her story and breaking stigma and, and causing mental health awareness. Uh, I, it, it, so many things from that interview come to my mind right now. Uh, just how she talked about being a mother and how sometimes uh, not having uh, herself uh, in a good place was taking away time from her own child or how she felt pressured to be perfect because, you know, uh, society puts some sort of um, label in how people need to be perfect and how she felt sympathy from other mothers when, you know, she was just not perfect. Uh, I just think that um, showing her human side has um, really made an impact in our community and I think she's a perfect example of what we should uh, try to achieve 
uh, in causing uh, mental health awareness. She is a, a hero and an ambassador uh, for mental health here in South Texas. No doubt about that. And we thank her. And, and we're so excited about the conversation that we actually have made a decision to uh, that our next episode, which will be coming uh, out soon, will be the full conversation that we had with Nicole. And uh, stay tuned because it's going to be so special, the rest of that conversation. Uh, but to kind of wrap up here about mental health and stigma, uh, we wanted to share with our audience that NAMI, which is the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill, uh, they asked a question in their Facebook community page, and they say, the, the question was, how do you fight stigma? And they came up with nine ways, based, based on all the answers, nine ways that you can break or you can help break stigma. Um, and we're going to go over them in a, a rapid shot, uh, uh, you know, scenario here with, with my friends, Herman and Daniel. And we're going to try to explain them in the best way we can. So the first thing to break uh, stigma or to help break stigma is talk openly about mental health. Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, we we sometimes go around uh, in circles on this. Uh, it's very hard because there's uh, uh, the stigma. And I think uh, learning how to talk openly about it, uh, asking uh, people, uh, how, how do you feel? Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, even, com even conversations about uh, risky behavior. Uh, have you had suicidal thoughts? Uh, how do you talk about these conversations uh, in an open way? I think it's very important. I agree. I think it's important that uh, we help others by showing there is no shame for having mental illness. Point number two, or way number two, is educate yourself and others. I think this is this is uh, the main the main topic that we've been discussing. You know, we need to make sure that we're educating ourselves to be knowledgeable about mental health and also to help others uh, understand uh, what mental health is and how mental health can affect all of us. Number three, be conscious of language. Yeah, this has really been an important topic in the mental health field. Uh, in the past, it was uh, uh, frequently... Uh, we, uh, uh, language was used like a person is schizophrenic, uh, a person uh, is bipolar. Uh, I think now we use uh, uh, the language of a person is suffering or is experiencing uh, a major depressive episode or exper experiencing an illness of schizophrenia. Uh, I think the way we uh, use language is very important. And go back to the first uh, recording that we had from New York City about that person saying, well, I'm not crazy. And sometimes I have patients that come to the clinic and they tell me, doctor, they give me the diagnosis. Am I crazy? And uh, I tell them, you're not crazy. You are in the right place, in the right spot, at the right, at the right time. You're where you need to be to get your help. Crazy is no, you know, needing to get help and not getting the help that you need. The fourth point is encourage equality between physical and mental illness. Yes, uh, Ricardo, I think when people understand the true facts of what mental illness is, which is that is a disease, it makes it easier to comprehend and understand that it's not really any different than, than any other uh, kind of physical uh, illness. 
I really, I really, really like this point because you know we we talk to our patients all the time, uh, and uh, in our communities, people are so easy to to be able to say, you know what? Oh yes, I suffer from diabetes. People get together, uh, families get together, and they're talking about the dosages of insulin that they're taking, their metformins, and all the medications they take for their blood pressure, and it's actually a matter of conversation. But when it comes to mental illness, it's just all of a sudden something that we don't want to talk about, right? And the reality is that in this case, mental illness is brain illness. It's not your pancreas or, you know, your heart that is diseased or has difficulties. It's your brain and that's causing mental illness. So it's just as much of a physical illness as any other. Uh, the next point is show compassion for those with mental illness, this is uh, essential. Uh, this is very important uh, for family members, for uh, people that are your friends, uh, but it's also important for people that uh, uh, are uh, dedicate themselves to treating mental illness. We we need to be compassionate uh, when people come to see us. We need to understand that it's not easy. And so when people step into our office, we have to be cognizant. We have to be aware that uh, we have to have compassion uh, because it's difficult for them to seek help. Very well. The next point is shoes empowerment over shame. Yes, I, I think this is uh, right on target when we talk about stigma. We, we, we need to own our life and our story. And I think we need to not allow others to dictate how they're going to uh, view you or how uh, you feel about yourself. I think it's important that, that we feel empowered and that we feel um, that, that we are having a mental illness and that there is no shame of having that mental illness. I like that. And if you if you are suffering and struggling with mental illness, by seeking out help, by going to your local mental health community clinic, or by going to see your doctor, uh, your family doctor, and say, I need help, you are able to gain the power that you need to uh, take control over your life. Uh, Daniel, you want to add, add something? Yes, I, I just wanted to reinforce, I mean, this wonderful conversation that we have with Nicole. I think she's a great example of empowerment over shame. Great point. Very good point. Uh, the next point is be honest about treatment. So, for example, is why can't people say they have an appointment uh, with uh, their doctor, uh, for their psychiatrist, uh, because they might feel that they might be judged uh, if they say they have an appointment with the psychiatrist, where maybe uh, going to the primary care uh, appointment is not an issue. Very well. The next point is let the media know when they're being stigmatizing. Yes, I, I think this is a very common thing that we see. Uh, and I think many times we just stay quiet and don't do not do much about it. But I think it goes back to the language and, and how we need to remind ourselves that language really matters. And the last point of um, how to break or help break stigma is don't harbor self-stigma. Yes, I, I think, you know, it's important to recognize that human beings, we all tend to be biased and we all tend to be prejudicial and we need to be aware of it. And I think sometimes any of us can make comments that uh, might be stigmatizing. So we just need to be aware of this. 
Yeah, I think that that's uh, definitely a great point. Uh, you know, uh, as a general rule, it is normal behavior to be much, much more tougher on yourself. And that includes if you are struggling with mental illness, to really go to great extents trying to mask it, to cover it, to not talk about it, uh, because you may feel that to be a, a failure, uh, which is really not. Uh, I think these are very good points, um, you know, that uh, help us find ways to break stigma. And you in your community, you as you listen to this podcast, wherever you are, find ways to break through that stigma. Mental illness is very real, and mental illness is uh, a subject of conversation that we should have and must have. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Shrink Box. This was a very special episode about mental health awareness in this very special time. As we move into wrapping up this segment, we wanted to um, remind you that there will be a next episode in which we are going to share with you a great conversation we had we had with uh, Nicole Hickel, our local uh, news anchor, who about a year ago uh, came out and said that she had been struggling with major depressive disorder. I encourage you to take some time to look for that episode when it comes out because it's going to be very, very special. As we finish this episode, I wanted to leave you with this quote from one of my favorite writers, J.R.R. Tolkien. The quote is, courage is found in unlikely places. Find a way, find a place to break through all your through your own stigma about mental illness and to help break the stigma in others. And we'll see you next in our next episode of The Shrink Box.